I have just uh, a little bit of a preamble to my, to my message this morning that I want to give you, and I want to say it like this. My responsibility is to bring you the word of the Lord, particularly, particularly as it relates to us as a fellowship and as a people, a body of people. What it requires of me is to walk with a sensitivity to the Lord and to his word, but also to you as a people, always endeavoring to discern where we are in this day, in this time, in this season, and what we are facing. I am fully aware that other speakers will fill this pulpit that I recognize as far more eloquent than I, and even others who will teach with greater illumination than I will. But their responsibility is not the same as mine. For the duty of the shepherd, the pastor, is that he or she is the one who is required to watch out for your souls as one who will give account, according to Hebrews 13, 17. And frankly, I need you to know, I take that very seriously, probably more seriously than you do. For I knew when I accepted the role of senior pastor of this fellowship, that I was also accepting that weight of responsibility. Therefore, some messages are to admonish you. Others bring possibly a measure of correction. That's not particularly fun, still necessary. Others are to simply challenge us all, including myself, to higher heights and deeper depths in God. Some are simply to edify and strengthen us along the journey. But today, I'm hoping to encourage you. I'm always thankful for a word of encouragement. How about you? And then, boy, in these days, for sure, goodness gracious, do we ever need encouragement. Does the church ever need to step up and turn up the knob on encouragement to our brothers and to our sisters, to our neighbors, to our friends? So on any given week, I have looked across, and I do it actually every week, I look across the landscape of this fellowship. I've talked with you, I've laughed with you, I've cried with you, I've prayed with you. But I have also asked the Lord to give me the discernment for the word that should be delivered from this pulpit for you for this particular week. So with that said, if you have brought your brick and mortar Bible, as I guess is the term for a real old fashioned Bible, if you lift up, a, who has an actual Bible in the house today? Look at that, faithful, faithful people. Don't ever stop bringing your brick and mortar Bible. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it makes sense to me, it's what it is. Okay, how many of you brought your device with your Bible? I'll lift that up. There's a few of you, you don't have to be ashamed of it. Good, 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 good. <clears throat> with your Bible, however you have it today, would you please turn to Psalm 84, Psalm 84, and let's see what the Lord would speak to us today through his holy and infallible word. This may be a psalm that you have strolled or sauntered through quickly, a time or two in your personal devotion, maybe you're reading through the psalms and um, uh, for whatever reason, you, you've, you've, you know, you've read through it and quickly, and, and then some of you maybe have studied it more in depth. Either way, I think the Lord is speaking to us today through this psalm, and I want to give it to you. My hope is that, is that you'll never read it the same way again after this message, and that every time you stumble onto Psalm 84 from this moment forward, my hope is that you'll remember at least a little something from this message. Psalm 84, I'm just uh, going to give exposition today to, five, to three verses, verses five, six, and seven. That doesn't mean the message is short, it just means I'm just using, I'm using three verses. Don't get excited, okay? 
I saw you nudge your wife. I saw that, my brother. So, all right, verse five says this. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Can you say the word pilgrimage? Let me read it again. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, we see this word pilgrimage and we immediately think of, of uh, Thanksgiving and then we, that makes us think of turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and that makes us then think of a sweet potato casserole and that makes us think of pecan and pumpkin pie and then we get hungry. Have I got you all hungry now? All right. But the word pilgrimage actually comes from as it's used here, comes from a Hebrew word which is masila, masila, which means a main road, a raised highway, or a causeway. So that being said, some theologians would interpret this verse as this. They would say, blessed is the man, let's go back to the verse, please. Blessed is the man whose heart, in, in whose heart are highways, that's the way it would be translated by many theologians based upon the understanding of the Hebrew word. Blessed is the man in whose heart are highways, the highways of holiness. Now, you and I, when traveling on a journey, uh, we are typically, we're always set on the destination, where we're going. We are ready to get there. If your kids are traveling with you, you barely get outside the city limits of Fort Worth until one of them says, how much further do we have to go? Or, you know, I need a potty breaker. It always happens that way. But we are set on the destination. But notice that this verse does not say, blessed are those whose hearts are set on the destination. That's not what it says, does it? It says, blessed are those whose heart is set on the pilgrimage, the Mesilah. Blessed are those whose heart is set on the pil pilgrimage, on the journey. And in its main sense, this Hebrew word carries the reminder that the way to God's presence, this journey, is not as lonely or as trackless or without tracks as it may seem. Others have walked this path, which can serve as an encouragement to us. In fact, the tracks of the highway of the journey are well prepared and well frequented. So now the psalmist is going, we're going to go into verse six, and the psalmist is going to tell us what the journey is going to be like. And he says this in verse six. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Say the yellow words, please. They? A little more enthusiasm, please. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So as we read this psalm, we are introduced to this place called the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca. Some say Baca, I say Baca. So what is that? What is this valley? Well, the name Valley of Baca is literally translated as the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Weeping. Baca actually is a Hebrew word meaning balsam tree and the sap of this tree oozes like tears. I think I've got a picture for you. That's how it, the, when you look at the actual tree, it looks very much like what we would use for a Christmas tree today in terms of its shape and, and kind of the way it, it, it is formed, but the sap 
oozes like tears, and so that's why they call it Baca. It means uh, the Valley of Tears. Every year, the people of God would set their destination uh, of the pilgrimage as Jerusalem or the city of refuge. However, many lived not in the city of refuge, but they lived on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and to get to Jerusalem, they had to pass through every year, had to pass through the Valley of Baca to get there. So what's so special about this valley, this place? Well, the Valley of Baca was dry like a desert. It had thorns and briars all around, no flowers, nothing particularly interesting or inviting or would make you want to be there. It's full of snakes and vipers. Uh, It's a very, very rough terrain. So that lets us know it was a tough journey, this pilgrimage to the city of refuge, to Jerusalem. It was a tough journey. Therefore, the phrase Valley of Baca became a name for any difficult and painful place in life because that's what the experience was like. It was painful. It was difficult. It's that season where everything seems hopeless and you feel helpless like the pit of despair. Excuse me. But the people knew that in order to get to the city of refuge, to Jerusalem, you had to go through the valley of Baca. And isn't that true for all of us? We all know what it is to walk through valleys. I don't have to define that or describe that for you because we've all had our fair share of them. The good news is this, the people of God, the people who love God can expect to pass through the valley and not stay there. Can somebody say bless the Lord? But I found that because we do have to often go through a valley, it is helpful and it helps us if we understand some things about a valley. And I'm going to give you four things that I want you to hang on to today. If you're taking notes, I'll try to make it clear what the, what the four are that I think will help you for when you are going through, through, going through a, a valley. Let me give you these four components. The first thing is this. Every valley causes us to have to wait. There's the wait, W-A-I-T, that is attached to every valley. Now, for you and me, the word wait in our culture, it's become a four-letter word, hasn't it? We treat it that way. We don't like it. And folks, I can tell you when it started, it all started with the microwave oven. That's it. (laughs) Then after that, it was learned that, boy, this culture does not like to wait. We have to speed up everything. So now came smartphones and email and then texting. We can get faster to somebody, faster and faster. And, and so it's also expressed that when you're in line, you're, 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 you're at, a, at a red light and you, there's a car in front of you at the stoplight and the light turns green and you notice that they're doing this on their phone and the light is green. What do you do? You better believe you honk your horn. You politely let them know it's green, buddy. It's time to go. And so it just keeps happening to our culture that we keep having to, to uh, we're trying to eliminate the weight. And so now we have Amazon Prime Now, okay? Where I think in some cities they, they guarantee a one hour delivery on, on certain items. And that's just, it's just crazy that that can happen. Some of them I think in some parts of the world they're delivering them by drones. You, as soon as you click, bam, it's dropped on your front door. Because we don't like to wait. And Amazon's figured out that we don't like to wait. But for some reason, folks, and you know this is true, in the kingdom of God, waiting is all a part of the process. 
We may not like it, it may be uncomfortable, we may get impatient, we may get frustrated, but waiting still has great value in the economy of God's kingdom because it is in the waiting that God is crafting and shaping us and working out his purpose in us. I would venture to guess, as I look across this audience today, and uh, I know that's true of those who are watching online, that every one of us in the room and online, we are waiting on something. Maybe you're waiting on your marriage to heal. Maybe you're waiting on that supernatural touch of God on the life of your family. Maybe you're, you're waiting for your finances to be stabilized. Maybe you're waiting for your, your children, your adult children to come to Christ, or your grandchildren to come to Christ. You're waiting for that. You prayed and prayed. Maybe you started a business and it's been a long, hard road to get it established and you're just, you're just waiting for it to take off and you've been waiting and waiting. Part of the valley experience, part of the valley of Baca includes this process of waiting. But I want to take us again through this text which says this, blessed is the man whose, notice that makes the phrase conditional, forgive me, blessed is the man whose, that means you've got to do something in order for the blessing to be there. That's why it's conditional. Blessed is the man whose, whose heart is set. It means I've shifted my thinking. I've, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my perspective. I'm, I've altered the way my mind thinks. Blessed is a man whose heart is set not on the destination, but upon the journey. Blessed is the man whose heart is set not on the destination, but on the journey, why would you set your heart on the journey? Isn't the whole purpose of this trip about the destination and getting there? Why would you set your heart on the journey? You set your heart on the journey because you know something that other people don't know. Here's what you know. You know that God wants to do something in the pilgrimage within you, and you're willing to set your heart on that. You also understand... <coughs> Excuse me, just one second. <clears throat> you also understand that God is just as present with you in the valley of Baca as he is when you get to the destination. Blessed be the Lord. And you also have read Isaiah 40, which says, but they who, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So number one, every valley has the element of the weight. But I want to go on into verse six. It says, as they, who is they? Well, then it was the children of Israel. But today, the they is us. You're sitting next to a they. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that brings us to number two, every valley has its weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. The Valley of Baca means it's the Valley of Tears. It's the Valley of Weeping. Why is it the place of weeping? It's because it's so weighty. It's so heavy. It's so difficult. It's, it, it just makes you buckle at the knees just from bearing the weight of carrying everything. 
You can think of it physically, you can think of it spiritually, you can think of it emotionally. But let us not forget, as the people of God, we are passing through the valley of Baca. That means this, church, you're passing through the pain to your healing today. That means you're passing through your heartache to a season of joy, bless the Lord. You're passing through your marriage challenges to a season of peace. You're passing through your financial challenges to a much brighter day. Who can say thank God today? Our text does not say, blessed are those who are stuck in the valley of Baca. No. Blessed are those who are passing through the valley of Baca. That's an encouragement to all of us. That's the encouragement, encouraging part of this word today. Wherever you are, you may feel stuck in the valley of Baca, but you are not. You are passing through. You're going from one place to the next. But the truth is, there's still a weightiness, in the, even in the passing through. If you've ever had to be a weight bearer, if you've ever had to carry weight, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't need to describe it. It can be the weight of your job and your responsibilities, the weight of your marriage, the weight of just the weight of the physical pain. It feels like a weight to you. The weight of emotional pain, the weight of, of your finances. Even though you may be wonderful at putting on a good front and, and putting on a good face, and particularly when you're at church, how you know, oh, I'm doing great. What? Everything's just great. But the truth is, on the inside, you are trudging through the valley of Baca, and you're waiting, 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 W-A-I-T, waiting. And as you're waiting, you're carrying the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. And what you find is this, that the weight of waiting has left you wanting. So I'm ready to get to the good news. I'm sure you are too. All of verse 6 <clears throat> reads like this. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Would you read the yellow words, please? You've got to have more fire than that, folks. Come on. Thank you. Just do it that way the first time. Next time we'll save time. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the rain also covers it with pools. Number one, every valley has the W-A-I-T. Every valley has the W-E-I-G-H-T. But number three, every valley requires work. That would be W-O-R-K, work. They make it a spring. They make it a spring. That very dry place, we saw the picture, that very place of hopelessness and despair, the very place of, of danger, God says, in that very place, I want you to make it a spring. I want you to have a well there. The person who knows how to make it a spring is the person who's made up their mind, they are determined, they are not gonna wallow in self-pity and they are not gonna sit there and drown in their tears, no matter how bad it is. It's the person who says, by the grace of God, I'm going to find the courage, I'm going to find the strength, and I'm gonna dig something right here. But in order to end up with a well, in order to have a spring, as you've been instructed to do, they make it a spring in order to have that. Guess what? You've got to pick up a shovel and you've got to start digging. Like Abraham and Isaac, they dug a well. Like Samuel and Elijah, they prayed down the rain. 
An abbreviated version of our text would, would put it, let me put it to you like this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. And you may be walking right smack dab today through the valley of Baca. But I want you to know that as you are walking through that hard and dry and difficult place, wrapped up and locked up in the pain of that valley, is a promise, and please don't miss the promise of God to you today. When you pass through the valley of Baca, that desolate, desperate, hopeless place, you can make it a spring, you can make it a well, and here's the promise of God to you. If you will dig it, God will fill it. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. If you will dig it, God will fill it. As you pass through the valley of Baca, make it a spring. And then the next part of that verse says, the rain also covers it with pools. Now, I think that we are guilty sometimes of, of, uh, of misunderstanding this. Uh, when we go before the Lord, we say, Lord, bless my family, uh, bless my marriage, bless my, my finances. And all the while, God's saying, you dig the well and then I will fill it. You have a responsibility, you dig the well, and then I will fill it. Because it works like this, folks. Behind every promise of God is the obedience of man. Behind every promise of God is the obedience, is your part. The obedience of man. So Pastor Dan, how, okay, digging wells, what do you mean? What do you mean about, what what are you talking about? Well, let me make it really simple, gentlemen. You want your marriage to work? Why don't you start by taking your wife to a restaurant that has cloth napkins and not paper ones? That's number one. That's digging a well. Here's another one. Why don't you help with the dishes or cleaning up the house? That's digging, <laughs> digging a well. I heard some ladies go, come on, come on, preach it, preach it. Right after the nine o'clock service today, I had a precious brother come up and keeping his social distance. He says, hey, he's from... He's like New York. Or, hey, go easy on those house chores things, okay? He said. <laughs> but it's digging a well. You want improvement in your marriage, gentlemen? Do the things, dig the well so that then God can fill it. What that's really saying is you've got a part in this as well. You can't just stand back. You've got a part as well. How about your finances? How do you dig a well for those finances? Well, just plain and simple. You can start by tithing. That's digging a well, exactly what that is. It's making a space, making the opportunity, creating the space for God to bless you with his abundance. That's how you dig a well. Or or when you become generous to others, that's digging a well. When you begin to trust God with your finances and, and make righteous, godly decisions, that's digging a well for God to fill it with his abundance. That's what you're doing. You're digging a well. And the principle basically is this. It doesn't work unless you work it. Say that with me. It Thank you for that enthusiasm. You made it to about a six on that one, okay. It was the prophet Isaiah who said this in Isaiah 35. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. Some of you may remember when the prophet Elisha said in 2 Kings chapter 3, make this valley full of ditches. That's what Elisha said. Make this valley full of ditches. And then what happened? 
Once they did that, then the rains came. But the rains came after the ditches were dug, after they did their part. You'll remember when God brought the Israelites out of uh, Egypt, and for years, manna had just fallen from heaven. It was wonderful, even though they complained about it. It was the same thing every day. A manna fell from heaven. I'm sure it was something like Einstein, cinnamon sugar bagels, uh, may have had some uh, strawberry cream cheese. I don't know, something like that. But it just fell out of the sky. And then right before they crossed over into the promised land, what happened? That stopped. That manna from heaven had stopped. St- why? Wouldn't you have thought we're going to the promised land that everything will be better and faster and we will have microwave ovens and, and we will have Amazon Prime now and, and we will have everything. The, the conveniences will be better, but the reality of it was this. Now, they had to pick up a shovel, they had to dig a hole, they had to plant the seed, they had to cover it up, they had to wait to be AIT for the little sprout to shoot up, which means that they had to feel the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, of work to come in and harvest the crop. That was their responsibility now. It all changed. Then they had to grind it, and then they had to work it out to get the same bread, which before had simply dropped out of the sky for them. Isn't that like our Christian pilgrimage? Doesn't that describe our journey as well? You first give your heart to Jesus, and you're awakened to the fact that God's, everything seems to be a God thing, and it is. Every, you, you, but you just are seeing it for the first time. Manna is falling out of the sky. It's, it's, a, it's wonderful the way this is all happening, and there's, there's like a grace that is upon you whereby you, you suddenly see and, and, and your eyes are open to all that God is doing and that, to be your helper and your strength and your provider and your nourishment, your sustainer, all of that. But then you hit a dry spell, and it happens to all of us, which means you got to work it out now. Now you got to work it. This is, that is when God is indicating that you need to pick up the shovel and dig a well for him to fill it. If you will dig a well, God will fill it. And folks, you can apply that to your marriage. You can apply it to your finances. You can apply it to your family. You can apply it to your job, to your relationship, every part of your lives. It doesn't work unless you work it. Say that with me. It doesn't work. But the beauty, utter beauty of it is this. When you do dig a well, you're not the only one who gets to drink from it. You see... This journey through the valley of Baca was a pilgrimage that they took every year. The same route. Had to do it every year. Going to, going to the city of refuge. Going to Jerusalem every year. Which means this year they stopped and drank from a well that they dug last year. Think about it. Sila. This year, guess what? I might stop and drink from a well that my friend Joe Howard dug last year, and which I do. I do drink from the well of that relationship because he calls me and he encourages me and he listens to my challenges and he prays for me. What is that? He's dug a well. It's a well that he dug and God has filled it with fresh and continues to fill it with fresh water, which is why we need each other. You dig a well, you're not the only one who's going to drink from it. You're going to provide for somebody else in that process. 
It's why we need each other. It's why the gathering of the people of God is so important. It's why the church has such great value. We need each other. You may be digging a well that I'll get the privilege of drinking from, but we need the water to be sweet and not bitter water. Parents, when you tithe, when you treat your spouse well, when you demonstrate faithfulness to the things of the Lord and to each other, when you speak in your home well of others, guess who is also going to drink from that well? Your children, your grandchildren will drink from that well. I dare say that we do not recognize how many teaching moments are in every day for us with our children and our grandchildren. Teaching moments every, every, every day that are there. How you handle, how you react, how you respond to disappointment, how you respond to things that have angered you or even annoyed you, and how you deal with that, how you process all of that. They are teaching moments of every day. I cannot tell you how many people have been through my office and, and counseling sessions and, and, and they're annoyed over this and annoyed over that and they're, gonna, they're just gonna quit and give up and whatever. And I said, fine, but you're teaching your children that that's how you handle it. Is that what you want to teach your children? Is the way you're conducting yourself now, is that what you want? Because they are drinking from your well. That's what you're doing. <clears throat> Gentlemen, when you're kind to your wife and you serve her needs above yours, you are drinking a well that your children will dr then drink from. You're teaching them how a husband should behave toward his wife. Ladies, the application goes to you as well. I will be kinder and gentler on you than I am the men. And all the ladies said amen. amen. But also, folks, it's true. When you fight in front of your kids, your grandkids, you're teaching them what marriage looks like. You've done, you're digging that kind of a well for them. When you start a small group, you're digging a well that others may come and drink from. Everywhere we go, we're digging a well, not only for ourselves, but for others as well. So we have the weight, W-A-I-T. We have the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, that the valley provides. We have the work. And then we go to verse seven. Psalm 84, verse seven. The first part says, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Another translation says this. It's another way of saying the same thing. They go from pool to pool or from well to well along this journey, along this pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength or they go from pool to pool. That is why on your journey you will discover not only the weight, not only the weight, not only the work, but you will discover the wonder. Sometimes we may feel like we're just wandering maybe even wandering aimlessly. It's not uncommon for me to have someone say, Pastor Dan, I just, I just feel directionless right now. I just feel like I'm wandering. Okay, but here's what I can tell you that this scripture speaks to my heart today. It is in my wandering that I move to a place of wonder. Even in my wandering, I move to a place, how? Place of wonder, how? First of all, I don't have to wait to get to the destination to see how great God is. I don't have to wait. I can experience the goodness of God even in the roughest part of the Valley of Baca, even in the place of weariness. How? Because I'm going from strength to strength. 
I'm going from pool to pool. Pastor Josh, I'm gonna have you come and be my assistant today. All right, because you know exactly what do you hear first service. I have to let you know the spirit of Michael Escamilla has come upon me and I'm, I'm doing some, Ill, some props today, okay? I've already notified him. Pastor Michael, if you're watching, this is probably because this is a tribute to you, okay? The imagery of this idea of going from strength to strength or from pool to pool. Do you know where to put them? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I hope that's not too far. Oh, my goodness. Maybe one about right there. These are my wells that, I'm, that are on my journey. Let's put one here and one over there. Didn't he do a good job? Give him a hand, would you please? I want you to get this imagery. This is so incredible. It's absolutely magnificent. They are challenged through the Valley of Baca to dig a well. That next year, they may drink from it. That others may drink from it. That their children may drink from it. If this platform represents the journey, let's say from there, here, of the Valley of Baca. And that drum cage, for example, represents the destination. Let's say that's the city of refuge. I'm just just trying to give you a picture here. So what does that destination represent for you? Um, Where you are headed in, in your journey. Maybe that destination represents for you a healthy marriage. That's the destination in your journey as you're walking. Maybe that that destination there represents becoming cancer-free. Maybe that destination uh, it represents you getting past the grief of the loss of, of a loved one. Maybe that destination represents for you your finances coming into order as you're walking through this dry and weary and heavy and weighty uh, uh, valley that you're walking. That's the destination, whatever it represents for you. Here's what this psalm is teaching us today. Please don't miss it. On the journey, we can find and discover the wonder of God. How? By going from pool to pool to pool to pool. Because we're going from strength to strength, is what our verse says. And from strength to strength. It it doesn't mean that I'm over here and I just go straight to that destination. Oh no, that's too overwhelming. I, that's, it's too daunting. I, I, I'll never make it. I don't have the strength. I don't have everything that I need to, to get there. And it seems way too far away. Surely I don't have the strength to get all the way. But you know what? I can get from here to there. I can go from strength To strength, I can go from the nourishment and the help and the sustenance I receive from that well that someone did. Maybe our family dug that well last year. But you know what? I'm receiving from that. It is giving me strength, and I can go from strength to strength. And in the process of that, I discover the wonder of God. Yes, that's still out there, and that's where I'm going. But on my journey along the way, God has provided his wondrous blessings for me. Because I'm going from strength to strength. True pilgrims go from strength to strength and trust God to enable them and to walk one step at a time and to work one day at a time. They are people of prayer who keep in communion with God no matter what their circumstances may be. So go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me how difficult your situation is today. Go ahead. 
Bad marriage, it's too far gone. Yeah. Finances in a wreck, too many wrong decisions or misfortune that's come your way for whatever reason. Bad relationships, just way too much negative history behind us. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I can add to that also. And I know you can't get from here to there today. But here's what you can do. You can go from well to well. You can go from pool to pool. You can go from strength to strength. And guess what? If you find yourself caught in the middle between this last place of strength and and, and this one, and, and oh man, I'm not even sure. I forget getting there. I'm not sure I can get even to that. Uh, because I'm stuck here. Uh, maybe I'm stuck because I just didn't put the work into it. Maybe I'm stuck because I've become too comfortable and just allowed my world to shrink and I just stayed here and, and I, I'd rather have hymnals rather than screens. I'd rather have it's whatever I'd rather have. And I, I just allowed myself to shrink. But, but guess what? I'm stuck and I've just discovered this is a dry and thirsty land. Now I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty and I'm, I'm parched and, and I don't, now I don't have the strength to get, to get even over here to, to the next place. You know what that means? I got instructions for you. If this is where you find yourself stuck, here's exactly what that means. What happened to it? You get out a shovel and you dig right here. You dig a well. You dig a new well. Because the promise of God to you is if you will dig it, God will fill it. And this may very well be the well that your children will drink from behind you. This may very well be the well that you will drink from when you pass through the, next, through the valley of Baca the next time. That is exactly what you do. For if you will dig it, God will fill it. In the middle of my pilgrimage, I can find power. In the middle of my weakness, I can find a willingness. In the middle of my wandering, I can find God's wonder. And I'm praying that even today, because of this message, somehow, simple as it is, is somehow a well that you've simply stumbled upon. Maybe when you're dry and thirsty and really in need of something and you need a a cup of cold water and you need something fresh upon you, hopefully just the understanding of Psalm 84 today is providing a well for you that you didn't even dig but you're able to drink from today. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, ours is the opening, God's is the filling. God's job is to fill it. Our job is just to dig it. Our job is to make room, to make the space for it. What have you done recently just to make space for God to fill your well? Get your shovel out. Start digging so that he can then fill your well. I I bring this to conclusion by simply reminding you of this. Because Because of and based upon the words of Psalm 84 today, I admonish you, Bethesda, it's worth the wait, W-A-I-T. It's worth the wait, W-E-I-G-H-T. It's worth the work that you have to put into it. It's worth the wonder. For the single parent today, it is worth the wait. 
For the person who's trying to grow a business, it's, it's worth the work. For a person who's trying to overcome an addiction, and there are many that I know, it's worth the wait. For the person who's trying to come closer to God, it's worth the wonder that you are going to discover. And why is it worth the wait? Why is it worth the wait? Why is it worth the work? Why is it worth the wonder? Because the last part, the last line of our text, the latter half of verse 7 says this, each one appears before God in Zion, which means this, the end of the pilgrimage is the very presence of God Almighty himself. That's why it's worth it. Passing through the valley of Baca, enduring the hardships, enduring the pain, enduring the challenges, it is worth it. We've sang for years, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. And the church said, amen. Bethesda, would you please stand? That is the word of the Lord to us today. I close with the words of the Apostle Paul who echoes this idea, this sentiment, this concept for us in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, where he says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. It's because we're passing through the valley of Baca. Yet they produce for us a glory, I'm going to add, a weight of glory that vastly outweighs them, the troubles, and it will last, that glory will last forever. It's worth the wait. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we come before you today so thankful for your word. Still a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Still gives us guidance and direction. And we bless you for your word today. So Lord, for those today who are passing through the valley of Baca, let them be encouraged to know this is not the way it is for the rest of their days. They're passing through. And Lord, I pray that somehow today they will stumble upon another spring another well that someone else has dug, or maybe they dug it last year, that they will stumble upon it again, and that in that they will find nourishment and strength, and, and their thirst will be quenched because of what you have provided, because your promise is, if we dig it, you will fill it. And so I pray today for those who need to get out the shovel and start to dig today, that you'll give them the grace and the strength and the, the understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it, and that you will be faithful to your word. So we bless you today because we recognize that our God is greater than anything in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said amen.